Welcome to Football Wadanya, your home of Dutch football. This is podcast 39, which you can hear and download across our website, YouTube, SoundCloud and iTunes platforms, as well as our new home on Football Nation radio station. This week, I, Michael Statham, am with regulars James Rowe and Michael Bell to indulge in the Netherlands' 3-0 win over Germany in the Nations League. Um, so, Michael, you were right with your wild 3-0 prediction. I bet you're well chuffed. Yeah, it was, well, it was a crazy match uh, for me. I don't think I've ever been so happy after a game since probably the 5-1 against Spain. Um, at the end, I was, just couldn't believe that it was so easy. Um, I know Germany had their chances during the game, but for me, you know, a lot of people said that it's a bit flattering on, on Holland, the result, but I think Netherlands had a lot of chances to kill the game off before they actually did. I think, if it, like, on the counter, it seemed that Germany just couldn't handle it. Like, there was just some situations where we got a three-on-two or a, a two-on-one, and we just messed it up until finally Memphis got a chance. I thought he was going to mess it up when he took a touch as well, but he, he squeezed it in, and... Uh, yeah, it's great. I mean, you know, Netherlands against Germany, it's a big rivalry. Uh, haven't beat them since 2002. I think this is just the result that Netherlands need to kick on. And you've got big games coming up in November against France and Germany. If we can avoid relegation from this group, that's, that's huge. What went so well, James? I think um, belief plays a big part in the result last night. I think um, you can see that Koeman is starting to build a competitive team and the team is growing together bit by bit. There's still a long way to go. But even in the um, the pre-match, uh, post-match press conference, Koeman stated how the country needed this, how the team needed this, how uh, how important it was to get a win against a, a highly ranked top side. I think for me, what stood out for me were the debutants. I think uh, Denzel uh, Dumfries, you know, I've, I've rated him. Listeners will know I've rated him since Sparta Rotterdam days. One thing I would also like to say, although although Stillison didn't have a lot to do, he appeared to be a lot more aggressive and a lot more charismatic. And I think that will help the national team going forward because there's often been um, games where he's been a bit too shy and a bit too timid. And you, you there was a part of the game where you saw him chastising the, um, the German attacker. Not in terms of being uh, a nasty person, but just having his game face on and wanting to show that he's part of this team too, and, and he's got to keep his, he's got to keep a clean sheet. And I thought that was uh, was very good. But you, but we know through talking about it for a long time and ha- having been through the uh, the doldrum years, how how difficult it was and how frustrating it was. And I think this result last night shows signs of life that so long as, as they keep going along this way, you'll see tweaks within the squad. And I think we'll see a, a culmination in, in participation of, uh, in Euro 2020 and hopefully a very good tournament in Euro 2022. A really nice point about Silicon. I didn't see that, um, but that's the kind of character that the Dutch need. Now they have the confidence again to do. Um, and I, I don't want to dwell too much on, on Germany um, the Dutch were fantastic, and I want to elaborate on that in a minute. But I did think the Germans were even worse than they were in the, in the World Cup, that how far they've fallen. Um, and they lined up with Kimmich in defensive midfield to try and um, nullify the threat coming from attacking midfield. Didn't last too long, though, did it? And you saw the space 
just in front of the German back four, and it was it was just it was hammered time and time again by the Dutch attacks. Um, what I thought was really good was that we've returned to the a sort of four three three. I guess it was more of a four two three one, but four at the back, uh, and it worked a treat. It suited the strengths of um, the fullbacks. They didn't have to play high up the pitch. They could sit as a back four. Um, I really liked Delon next to De Jong. It wasn't perfect, but I thought it was the right combination uh, against Germany. And you know the attacking threat coming from those four guys up front, pace um, and playing really well with Memphis. Uh, if we talk about the match in chronological order, uh, I did notice that the Germans, as I say about Kimmich sitting in defensive midfield, it started quite well. Um, and there were a couple of shaky mistakes from the Dutch defenders. Um, Dumfries had an amazing game, but there were a couple of times he was caught ball watching for me. Um, I thought Van Dijk was a little bit casual. Um, De Ligt made a, made a couple of mistakes, and even Daly Blint, of course, with a quite a, a, a costly mistake, nearly letting Muller in, and it could have been um, the Germans uh, at one-one. Um, what did you make of the start of the match? It wasn't. It wasn't. It didn't. It didn't. It didn't think. We didn't think at the time that the Dutch would go on to win, did we? For me, I was stunned um, before the game when I actually saw the German lineup. Um, for me, if Daily Blind is your left back, you attack on a pace, and it seemed that Germany have Sane and have Brandt, but I was amazed that neither of them started. Like Mark Uth, he's not scored all season for for Schalke, I don't think, and uh, you know in his hearing vein days he wasn't you know that great a striker. He's improved obviously since in Germany, but. For me, I, th I think Germany took Netherlands a little lightly. Um, I think they've got one eye on the France game and they decided to not maybe put out their strongest team. Um, from the start, yeah, they controlled the game. I think, especially De Ligt, I think he was a bit nervous at the start, which is strange because he's playing in his own stadium. He's played these games before. He's played bigger games. Um, he got caught out a few times. There was a bit of miscommunication with him and, and Dumfries at times. I think that all... You know, that needs to be worked on in the training pitch. And I think everyone's got lucky a few times. Sellison made a couple of good saves. And they were a bit fortunate that when the chances were falling to the Germans, that they can take them, especially Muller, who was also one of the bad players at the World Cup, seemed to have another shocker in front of goal. I think everyone's grew into the game the more the first half went on. Um, when they took the lead, that gave them the confidence. And they had a couple of chances before the break to, to make it 2-0. For me, Germany were were very poor up front, and it stems back to Lowe's poor selection for me. Ronald Koeman stated his complete surprise pre-match that Sane was not in the starting lineup, and he also admitted that you know he kind of anticipated that. I thought when Sane came on, I thought he changed the game for Germany, gave them more space and more attacking options. But I think it's um, I think the start of the match there was it's just a bit a bit a bit cagey, cagey with the rivalry, you know, wanting to get a positive result, wanting wanting to grow into the game. I think the German squad and the German team last night is a prime example of a national team manager staying far, far, far too long. If you look at the natural lifespan of a national team manager, it's maybe one Euros and, and one European Cup consecutively and that's that. Lowe has been in charge for an awful long time and I think I think because he's felt that he's a bit untouchable and that nothing will happen to him, that he's been picking players in a squad that have maybe had a handful of good games for the lower German teams that have had a, a good run perhaps domestically, uh, players that have been included in that. 
but I think um, I think the Netherlands can take a lot of heart. I mean, this is a statement win, you know. Koeman said in the um, uh, this is an, an important win. The country needed this. The team needed this, and hopefully they can grow from this. You know, they've got a very difficult game against the reigning world champions in Rotterdam in November. I think uh, the Kalp atmosphere will help them. I think it's going to be uh, a difficult game, but they can take a lot of heart from this win. You can only beat what's put in front of you. But it should be a, a statement win, which I think is exactly what it is. You know, it's Kuman's first win. Kuman himself has only been in charge since February and made it quite clear when he first signed for he signed a contract until Qatar 2022. And he's uh, he's going by hook or by crook. He's going to see his contract out. He's not going to be um, not going to be uh, um, prized away by a club. You know, I think he's had his fingers burnt at Southampton, at Southampton and Everton. And um, I think he's fully embracing being Dutch national team manager. You can see how the squad is coming together slowly but surely, and it's uh, it's great to it's great to see. The Dutch had a bit of a na- yeah. One of my um favourite uh, moments last night was when, because of course the Dutch had a bit of a nervy start, but then there was a moment where Frank de Jong took the ball and he, took, he carried the ball from defence into the midfield. He played the ball forward straight to one of the attackers um, and they went for the middle and they, the attack broke down and all of a sudden de Jong was on the right wing playing the ball out to Dumfries um, to put a low ball in which they need to score from. He's just all over the pitch and I can't believe he has such confidence for his age and experience. I think um, just playing for Ajax in the Champions League this season as well, he's he's growing, his game's growing, and he's just getting. Everyone knows he's a special player, and um, in these games he just seems to come alive, and it's it's great for Dutch football. Yeah, I fully agree. I mean, you you see on 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 Twitter, and you see especially with the foreign media after such a statement win, you know, people uh, proclaiming Manchester City are going to submit a uh, a seventy million bid to try and get secure Frankie De Jong's services. But as I've stated before on our podcast, Matthijs de Ligt, Frenkie de Jong are not only excellent players, but also very, very intelligent young men. And I can't see them when they're presented with a new challenge of a new club. I can't see them rushing their decisions. So I think people can uh, can uh, uh, proclaim rumours and, and, and proclaim to be in the know. But um, they're benefiting from Champions League football and regular football with, with Ajax. They're improving for their national teams game by game. And uh, I think it will stand them in good stead for the future. We spoke about um, Denzel Dumfries as well making an excellent debut. He had an even better second half. Um, and it was great to see, as you said, about De Ligt. He was making great tackles. Um, and De Jong, who we were speaking about just then, he came off absolutely shattered, didn't he, about, on about 75 minutes. Probably because of the he was regaining his fitness. And just the pure pace of the match is probably higher tempo than what he's used to. What did you make of um, Daron in this match? He was playing next to De Jong. Is he what the Dutch national team needs? And what did you think of his performance? Personally, I was quite pleased because in some quarters he can be maligned. You, uh, Stoltman gets an awful lot of criticism for uh, inconsistent games in the in the national team in, in, in recent in recent months and in recent years. But Daron is a, is a very He's a very skillful player, and he often can play very accurate balls forward and back. And he's definitely got a brain on him. And you see the, how comfortable he is since he's gone back to Atalanta, playing regular football again. You know, he can he can slow the game down at need be. He can pick an accurate pass to the wing or or playing it forward. And I thought um, I thought he was a uh, he played he played well last night. 
and um, I think he can be very useful for the national team going forward. For me, I think it's it's interesting that Darun, he wasn't even Kimmins' first choice for this game. It was going to be Pablo Rosario, who has had an excellent start to the season for PSV, but you know the KMVB seemed to think that he wasn't banned um, after being in a red card against the under-21s last month. Um, it turns out he was still banned. Um, and then Darun came in. It shows you that Kevin Strootman right now is his third choice for that position. And that's right for me because I think Kevin Strootman has been awful for, for Netherlands for the past couple of years. And he keeps making mistakes. He needs to find his level, club level again and then maybe he comes back into the team. But Darun for me yesterday, he did what he needed to do. He, he was in there to help the defence. He did that. And when he got the ball, he played some good passes. Um, I think it was him that robbed the ball in midfield for the, for the Memphis goal. He took it played promise down perfectly down the right hand wing and I set up the goal and that's what he does. He, he picks the ball up in midfield and then plays a plays a simple pass or a good ball. And that's all you can really ask for him and I think he did it really well yesterday. Yeah, I think the only moment I could think of with um Didone was when uh Sane shot just wide and at that moment Didone was um he wasn't tracking the run of Sane. But that was probably the only thing time where I've I, I caught him out for um a mistake really and yeah he was very solid in the middle. Um, and someone that could help protect the back four um, really well. Um, as well as that in the midfield, you had Wijnaldum, and he often comes under criticism too, quite often like Stoltman, but did Wijnaldum play better in this match? And if so, why was that? For me, um, the answer would be no. He didn't play very well. Um, for me, I didn't notice him on the pitch until he scored. I don't think he did anything. Um, in my player ratings, I rated him quite lowly because he scored a great goal. Um, but other than that, I don't think he actually did anything. I could be wrong, but he seemed to me to be quite invisible throughout the match. I think Frankie de Jong and Martin Darun were uh, much more imperious in the midfield. In my opinion, he had a decent game towards the end of it, like you said, when there was far more space. Uh, one of the things that the Dutch did very well yesterday, they were most dangerous on the counter-attack. And when they had really quick transitions of play from the left to the right-hand side, um, to play in a Dumfries, for example. Um, but yeah, no, Wijnaldum a few times he was caught um, misplacing the ball and or, or being hesitant when trying to switch the play or put a cross in. Um, and that's, for me, what all I was missing because he did help bring the play forward. And when he when it was an accurate pass, it was a good one. And you saw at the end with the 2-0 and the 3-0 that he helped out with those. Last night was also Wijnaldum's 50th cap. And uh, like a half century. I thought he took his goal well. But uh, I agree with um, I agree with Michael Delon and uh, uh, Flinky de Jong were a lot more um, a lot more visible throughout the match. But I think with the form that Liverpool are on, and uh, I think Van Alden will go on to be more consistent as time goes on. Obviously, you know you've got eleven players on the pitch, and some are going to be on form, some not so much. You know, it's uh, international football. It's, it's not a weekly uh, it's not a weekly thing. It happens every two to three months now and some it takes some players a bit longer to get into the groove okay i think it might be time then to talk about um some of the some of the questions we've got in on twitter um and and one of one of the things that stood out for me in the match but i thought i'd leave it for the questions was memphis Depay's performance um he was man of the match for me best player on the pitch um he is growing so well into that lone frontman role for me and um, a question from Fred, uh, he says, while Memphis was certainly great this match, do you think he's as lethal as, say, a Van Nistelrooy, Van Persie or Klavert were from the past? Um, who do you see as the next great star in Dutch football with that type of predigate? And he says, love the show, gents. Uh, 
Thank you, Fred. Um, yeah, which one of you guys like to answer that? You know, Memphis was great yesterday, but is he the future? Is he going to be that lone front man? Does he have to be? For now, yeah, he has to be because there is no one else. Um, I agree. Yesterday he was, he was fantastic. He held the ball up well. He took on the German defenders. He he has the skill to make something out of nothing. I, I just love it when he gets on the ball and he, he tries his little tricks. Um, he never seems to lose it. Like If it ricochets off the defender, he's always there to pick it back up. Um, his goal was well taken, I think. For the past few weeks for Leon, I think he's missed quite a lot of good chances. And when he took the touch, I was a bit hesitant he was going to score, but he squeezed it in. Um, and it was, it was a reward for another excellent performance. He just seems to work so hard when he puts on the Netherlands shirt. He always speaks of his pride at playing for the national team. He loves it. And um, I think that's where we see the best of him. You know, he scored a second goal. He was unlucky that it came back off the, back off the bar. Um, and for me, yeah, he is for the time being, Netherlands' best option up front. I even think if Vincent Janssen comes back, I think Memphis still needs to stay there. Um, to answer the second part, who's the next one to come through? Um, you know, Netherlands under-19s are playing the, this moment um, in European qualifiers, and on Saturday, Daishan Redan scored four goals in their win over Bosnia, and um, I think he's probably the next huge, talented Netherlands striker. I just hope he gets the, the chances at Chelsea to to show that because he's uh, the goal scorer that everyone's needing in the future, I think. I think we'll see Depay growing further into this role and uh, becoming more lethal as time goes on. You know, you see in uh, in qualifying matches for previous uh, World Cup qualifying campaigns in particular, scoring away uh, in Luxembourg when it's they're drawing uh, drawing one one I believe, and um, you know people didn't know where the win was going to come from, and he pops up with a free kick. I think he it just goes to show what his confidence can do. You know, he was um, I think he suffered a bit at Manchester United. The move came a bit too soon. And um, and I think with Leon, he's very very comfortable. Once again, you see people after watching Benevolence for only one game, perhaps, or uh, you know, watching these players for only one game on Twitter, proclaiming that you know Arsenal should be signing him in January and things like that. But they forget that you know that when a player is happy at a club and when he's scoring goals, you can't necessarily prize that player away in the blink of an eye. I think I think Depay will stay at Lyon for at least another season and a half before he entertains any notion of a move. And I think Koeman is continuing to build, but I think confidence-wise, you will see Depay popping up with these performances more often in the future. Sorry, I disagree with that. Um, that he's going to stay there for another season and a half. I think Memphis has been pretty open um, so far that he's looking for a move as soon as possible to an even bigger club and I think if you look at Leon right now they've got Dembele up front and I think in the past couple of weeks it's shifted Memphis out of the striker role onto the left again and there's even been some games where he started on the bench I think um, a move could come a lot sooner for Memphis and if he keeps playing like this the big clubs will come in and in January you never know, Leon might decide that they want the cash. Um, but I, f- I think if it's not January, it's definitely the summer. I think Memphis will get a big move again pretty soon. Yeah, yeah Mike. I can't, I can't see him leaving in January. I'd be, I, I'd, be surpri- I'd be very surprised if that happened. I, I agree with Mike. Um, I think Memphis, he wants to leave, and if it's not going to be January, it would definitely be in the summer because he wants to go to a bigger club. Um, who could afford him? I don't know. But 
in my opinion, I think um, Memphis is happier playing with Dutch national team than he's at club level at the moment. Yeah, well, he's with all his friends. You know, he's, he's very good friends with um, Quincy Promise and Jorginho Wijnaldum. And you see it on the pitch when they all get together. He looks so happy. And I think um, that's why he always plays his best for the national team. Yeah, I think he's happy to be relied upon um, in the frontman role. And, he, and he's growing into that position as well. He's, he does hold the ball well. He might not be the, the big target man, but it doesn't, he doesn't see that style of play. And I think it helps that their counter-attacking style. And he's, he's, he's a, the, the leader of that. And I think that's great. The reason as well that I stated a year and a half is because I think he knows from his time at Manchester United where he didn't play. And he was sat on a bench. But he's got to be very choosy about if a club does come in, is he going to play regularly? Whereas, in the, in, especially last season with Lyon, and, uh, and this season, okay, it's been a little bit different. But he's been playing regular, regular football for Lyon since his move. You know, he's, he's never going to be completely maligned at Lyon. If a club comes into him and he finds himself in a similar position to Manchester United in terms of he's not playing every single game, then that's not really going to do him any good at all. So that's why I, I advocated that I can see him staying at Lyon, not long, long term, but obviously I can't see him leaving in January. I don't obviously the summer activity. It's far too early to know what will happen, but I think um, I think he'll, he's matured in the fact of his experiences at Manchester United. He'll he'll think about that because obviously the most important thing is that he plays regularly, so that we can see the types of performances that he gave, particularly last night for the national team going forward. Okay, well let's um let's get back to our Twitter questions as we've got plenty more of them, um, and we've got a question about the fullbacks. Um, Elder Pigeon, he has asked us a question about Jan-Marc Dumfries, Tete, Karsbuk, Verhaag. Um, who should be the right-back first-team player in the future? Same question for the left-back, which David Blint's currently um, holding the position for. Fall-back to the weakness. There's not yet world-class players for Aranya in those positions. Uh, yeah, which one of you guys would like to answer that? What do you think about the future of the fullback positions. I'm just going to say my opinion. I think right back is going to be Dumfries in the future. I think it's going to quickly hold down that position. But I'm not sure about left back. What do you guys think? Well, for me, Karsdorp is one of the best options, but he needs to get playing. Um, he's not getting game time at Roma. He's fallen out with a coach. It looks like he's going to leave in January. Um, if he does go back to Feyenoord or somewhere else, if he gets the game time, then he becomes a great option. Along with Dumfries, I think he's done himself a world of good yesterday. Um, the left back position, I agree, it's it's hard. Um, Patrick Van Aanholt, you know, he does great for for Crystal Palace, but he doesn't seem to get the game time for for Netherlands. And then you're looking, well, who else is there? There's Uyana, AZ, maybe not this level yet. And then you're looking at maybe playing somebody like Nathan Ake or or Fozumenza out of position because both of them really should be centre backs. Um, I think the left back position is the one for me that we need to look for the the future is. Try and find somebody for it. Uh, Vindal AZ is a hot prospect, and I think in the next coming years he might get into it. But until then, it's it's makeshift. Um, Daily Blend's not a left back anymore. I don't want to see him in that position full time, and then it's just who who takes it on. I'd like to see Aki or Fosamenza next international period get a chance there. I think uh, going forward, Dumfries definitely for the right back position. I think he'll make that his own very very quickly. And I agree, I think um, the left-back, I, I would choose Van Aanholt because he's got so much Premier League experience now and he's, uh, he's, his confidence is up. And he's also an intelligent player as well. I think he can definitely do a job. 
and in the case with uh, Nathan Ucker as, as well, you know, he's he's been so solid for Bournemouth through the years. Also scored uh, in a in a uh, summer friendly against Italy. Remember, you know, aerial presence as well, which could help. But um, yeah, I would go for Dumfries and uh, Van Aanholt in that respect. So James, why isn't Van Aanholt being picked at the moment? Why is Blint being picked over him? And we always moan about his weaknesses. Does Kuma not see that too? Uh, no, I, th- I just think. I think to have such a rigorous overhaul straight away, I think Koeman is, is trying to avoid that. I mean, you you saw last night with the team ethic and team spirit that there's signs of that already. I think if Koeman was a little bit too rigorous with uh, with changes straight away, you know, you got, you got to remember this is a, a squad that were half in and half out for a long time under Danny Blind and... Uh, um, the guy for guard and Chris Hiddink as well. You know, these are players that were one minute they was called up, next minute they weren't. So they didn't really know if they were coming or going. So I think Koeman has, has, has been aware of that. So he's trying to build a competitive squad and trying to build a, a core. And I think we'll see as friendlies and, and qualifying matches go on, you'll see little changes here and there. And then before you know it, there'll be a nucleus there. And, um, and then I think the national team will start to push on. Another question about the defence comes from Eric. Where does De Vrij stand? Outside looking in on Van Dijk and De Ligt. Um, yeah, that's that's a good question because we always discuss about players like Ake coming into the side of an Anholt, but we always forget about Stefan De Vrij. He's playing for Inter Milan, um, a Champions League side from Serie A. So wh- why is he not getting a look in? I think just because the Van Dijk-De Ligt partnership's been so good. Um, he should really, if Netherlands play a back five, he should really be the, the third centre-back. But again, Koeman seems to have some love for Daley Blind coming into that position. But I think um, against Belgium, we'll see De Vrij come in uh, since Van Dijk's been ruled out through injury. I think uh, De Vrij will come into the, the back four and hopefully impress. But I think it's just because Netherlands right now, it seems that we have so many options at centre-back and for now, Van Dijk and De Ligt are definitely the partnership that should be moving forward. Yeah, I agree. I think playing against Belgium will do him the world of good personally because you've got to remember that this is a, a defender who, um, when it was World Cup 2014, had a tremendous tournament and it's a very good it's a very good player. But I agree with Mike as well. The partnership of Van Dijk and De Ligt is, uh, is promising. But I think for for every squad, you've got you've got to bring the fly in. For for example, with the situation they find themselves in for Tuesday, you know you've got a competent replacement, which is which is good. And um, they Netherlands should be full of confidence going into Tuesday. Which, again, again, I can't see them losing. I think um, I think this result will give them an awful lot of confidence, and I think they'll get at least a draw in Brussels. Yeah, let's start to talk more about the Belgian friendly. Um... Abdul, uh, first of all, wants to congratulate all the Dutch fans around the world for such a fantastic result, um, and and he wants to th- he he wants to know a bit more about uh, the changes that we expect for the next match because it was amazing. He says ninety percent of the match. So, what changes can we expect for the friendly? Is it a case of playing different players because of friendly, or are there huge changes of players that need to happen because of the Germany match? I think we'll definitely see some. Some changes just to rotate some options. I think Virgil van Dijk's out. That's obviously not great for the defence, but then De Vrij will come in or Nathan Ake will come in. I hope um, 
I think he might tinker it to go back to a back five and go five three two. We might see Van Anholt come in. I think um, one of our options is Dan Juma with some come off the bench. I think he might come into either at a left wing back position. Um, I think he might come back into it. But the big change to me, I think, we'll see Rosario start. He was ruled out of the, the Germany game. And Kuman Watt to see him in the midfield. I think he'll come in for, for Darun. Uh, Frankie de Jong might be rested since he was quite unfit. I think maybe Donny van der Beek will come in. I'd like to see a bit of squad rotation just to see how some of the other players, because the Netherlands do have other options. We've got, obviously, van der Beek, uh, Dan Juma, who can all come in and do a good job, and I'd like to see how they're going to do against Be- uh, Belgium. Um, yeah, I agree with James. I think this game we can have full confidence. It's, it's only a friendly match. Belgium didn't really play that great at the weekend, and their, their win, I think, um, if the Netherlands can get at them, then we can get a good result of that game as well. Uh, for me... Um... I'd like to see a lot of the team stay the same so we can start to build consistency with the players, linking, you know, De Ligt and Van Dijk as a partnership, the midfield more as a, a duo, a trio, um, instead of changing it. I know it's a friendly, but Belgium's a very good team and I think we need to practice more against this kind, kind of sides just to get more of that rhythm um, because November matches will, will come around very quickly and then it'll be March. So I just think that we should make the most of the fixtures that we have to get together those players. And that brings one to a question from Alex, who says, you know, what do you make of Holland's uh, build at play? With Frank de Jong in front of De Ligt and Van Dijk, there's a great deal of composure under pressure, which is a point I want to make there, actually, from Alex's question, that we need to keep playing de Jong, even if he's not 100% fit, um, along with De Ligt and Van Dijk, just to build up that rhythm in in the team. I I agree. I think going forward, the time is to create uh, a nucleus and um, and gain confidence as well. You, as I say, you, throughout this podcast, you see um, green shoots of, uh, of team ethic and wanting to play with one another. I agree with Mike. I think we'll see uh, Pablo Rosario start. Um, I remember speaking to uh, Almeida City manager uh, Jack De Gea back in uh, 2016, and he told me that Rosario was then uh, uh, recently transferred to PSV. And it was the club of Almeida City with their training methods and nutritional um, diets and, and ways of looking after their players and helping them to secure transfers going forward that were the, the strengths of the club. And I'm sure when uh, if Rosario does don the shirt for the first time on Tuesday, that he'll think back to his time not so long ago at Almeida City. Again, it proves once again how quickly things can go if a player is, is playing well, makes a, 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 good, a transfer to a good club, and uh, and starts to play well. That they'll be that they'll um, that they'll impress the national team manager. And um, yeah, I, I think we'll definitely see um, Rosario um, playing on Tuesday, and um, be interesting to see. I, I hope Fernando comes in because it will be a reward for Premier League. Uh, Premier League football and, and playing well. So, um, yeah, but I think even with the changes, the Netherlands can be confident in Brussels on Tuesday. Um, OK, and I, I, do, I do agree that um, Van Aanholt needs to play and S underscore Van Den, he asked a question about Van Aanholt. Another, another point, you know, another person who really wants to see him in place of David Blint. Thanks for the question. And, of course, we all agree that, um, th- that Van Aanholt should really get the nod in the team and hopefully in the future he will. Um, and, and final question... Um, I'd like to ask you is from Ajax Almaty who wants to know uh, do any do any more players deserve debuts um, perhaps not on, on, on Tuesday but in the November games is there anyone else that we're looking out for now? I think everybody knows 
party listeners wise and also my fellow panel who I'm going to say but uh, I'll um, I'll reiterate it once more Brian Linson uh, for me that's never going to happen <laughs> sorry James but um, he scored one goal so far this season and I think if you see Vitesse the when they come up against one of the better sides like they did against Ajax he just wasn't in the game um, I think he's 28 now for his position there's so many other players coming through um, he's just not going to get a chance which is, um, for me, one player that's knocking on the door and is doing really well is Javairo Dilroson. Again, it's another winger. He's really young. He's uh, had a great start to the season for her for Berlin. And for the under-21s in mid midweek, he scored and gave an assist. He's only 20 years old. He's going to, he's going to get better. Um, for me, playing players like Brian Linson, yeah, it's nice to give an Eredivisie player a chance. But he's come to the end of his, not to the end of his career, he's still got about four years left, but is he really going to be an option for the next World Cup? Probably not. Um, whereas if you're playing the likes of Brian Owens, uh, for, sorry, uh, Son, um Clivert, Dan Juma, Memphis, Promise, I mean, these are the attacking options we have. Brian Owens is just not going to come into that. Shame. I must point out, I respect Mike's opinion, of course. I, I always respect the opinion of my fellow, fellow panellists. But I'd also like to point out that RZ midfielder Barry van Gaalen was capped at the age of 34 uh, by Marco van Basten in a, uh, in, a, in a qualifying campaign for an away match against Andorra. So there's time for Linson yet. I can fully respect um, Mike's uh, opinions as well. But I just think, you know... I think if you put him in, even if it's just a friendly game, I think he he would uh, he would give his all, where he definitely have a positive match. I think. Yeah, for me, um, Linson this doesn't fit Kuman's vision of planning for the future, uh, the future Euros tournament, the World Cup tournament. Reminds me a bit of uh, when Kevin Davis got his debut for England. I think he only got the one cap and never got another one. Not saying Linson's um, as poor as Kevin Davis is certainly not. He's a very good player. But I think, yeah, there's too many options at the moment for that position. Um, I just wanted to quickly talk about uh, Stephen Berkfein before we finish, because I feel like we've, talk, we've, we've gone through the whole podcast without really talking about him. He had a great debut, um, but Abdul, in one of his questions, thinks he wasn't at his peak yesterday. Um, yeah, what do you think about Berkfein? Uh, it's definitely one, for the f- definitely one that we'll see more of in the, in the future. I think, um, you know... Last night was maybe a bit first night nerves, but you'll see him growing confidence as he's calling to more and more squads in future. I uh, interviewed Yari Schumann for Football Annual back in, um, I think it was, uh, might have been la- uh, last March, back in March, I believe. And he, he told me that playing with Bergwijn, even at a very young age, Bergwijn is one of the best players he's ever played with. And and I, I remember I watched Bergwijn's um, pre-match um, interview when he did his media duties and he was so happy to be in the squad, but also a little bit, uh, not nervous, but just wanting to make a good impression and, and want, wanting to take everything in. So I think I think last night was a, was a decent uh, debut. There's nothing nothing wrong with it, but I think as as time goes on, we'll see him be more have more of a presence on the pitch, like we do at club level with PSV. Yeah, I agree. I think yes, it was just a bit of nerves for him. Um, I don't think he got into the game as much as he would have wanted to. But he's one for the future. He's going to be around the national team for years to come. Um, and we'll see much better performances from him in um, the future. All right, James and Mike, thank you very much for joining me um, this week for a podcast. Um, yeah, 
it was a fantastic win yesterday, wasn't it? Indeed it was, and uh, a pleasure as always. Yep, and I'd just like to predict the Netherlands will beat uh, Belgium 3-0 again. Uh, it seems to work this time, so it's uh, hope it happens again. Your prediction for Tuesday, uh, Michael? Uh, it's too hard to say, it's, it, as it's a friendly. Um, but if they can keep up the same intensity as the Germany match, I don't see why they can't win again. Yeah, I'm going to go for 2-1. Again, we're all, we're all being very brave. Um, yeah, no, th thanks guys, and yeah, look forward to speaking to you soon. Indeed, thanks for having me. Thank you.